0: Welcome back to Footsteps in the Attic, the podcast dedicated to all things strange and paranormal. And I am very excited in this second season to welcome back one of our most popular guests and always a pleasure to have on the show, Miss Magical Grace. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, B fans, I'm doing well today. <laughs> How are you doing?
0: Well, I am doing very well today because we're going to delve into some of the most creepy, most highly paranormal active locations. We're going to dive into some serial killers and everything in between. So
1: Oh, you know I love true crime.
0: <laughs> yes, I do, and there's nobody better to get some psychic impressions from than Miss Magical Grace, and I get emails all the time asking about her opinions on things and when she's going to come back, so of course, I had to start off early and get you on this season as quickly as possible, because you're a busy woman.
1: Thank you. <laughs> like to be busy.
0: Um, I'm going to start off by mentioning a location that you and I have been to and get asked about quite often. It seems to follow us wherever we go because I kind of want to do an update on the Hinsdale house because we get asked constantly about our documentary, The Witch of Hinsdale, and what that was like. But I want your impressions on what that energy is, I don't want to say up to now, but what is the energy like within that house? And let's say if you and I were to go back would it sort of leave off where we let you know where would it pick up where we left off and pick up on our energy and try to drain us
1: well i can tell you that the energy that's in that house would love for us to go back um i think that it is almost as attached to us as we kind of, you know, or affected as we were affected by it. So it's a weird relationship. It it really is one that I don't think that we anticipated going in. Um, But I've actually received some emails as well from people that have had really horrible experiences there and they watched our documentary and it seems like the energy is getting stronger. So let's not go back. (laughs) I mean, maybe if we have a lot of, you know, support, but it's just, it's frightening.
0: Yeah. And we even got an email from uh, a fan who listened, who watched our documentary and they caught something that they claimed was in uh, the rearview mirror or something like that. So it's very interesting that they are seeing Images on our film that even we didn't capture whether that was actually there or not I don't know but it is very interesting that it's even watching our documentary. It's affecting people,
1: right? Well, we didn't see some of the things that we later saw like, yeah. you know, the the devil eyes in in the window and Oh god the freakiest for me was the basement the the breathing it's if you guys haven't seen it I don't think I'm really giving away a spoiler but um you know we're we're in the editing process and I see me whisper to our cameraman and it's very blatant I turn to him I'm in full view and I say I hear breathing and then he zooms in to Brian And it's completely impossible for this to happen because Brian is speaking and you can see him speaking. When he stopped speaking, all of a sudden there's someone's breath right next to Brian. It was the freakiest manifestation. I mean, it's just that kind of a situation where we don't even recognize all of the things that happened when we went.
0: Yeah. Oh no, it's so true. And just the effect that that had on both of us, I still see it vividly. To this day, I can picture every single detail of a home. Now, I don't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, so how do I remember that house so vividly in all its detail as if we had just visited? So it's it's strange, and even in dreams, as they say, as people were affected, I still see it in dreams.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine the people that rented it out for their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah,
0: pe- people spending a week there were... I'm not going to say nuts, but a little off, (laughs) (laughs) just a little off, but nuts, like in a good way, you know? Um, So we'll get to the next location, but that is a little update on Hinsdale and if the energy is still there. I think that sufficiently answers the question. Yes, the energy is still there and awaiting.
1: Well, I don't think it, I think it's only getting stronger as people investigate it more. But until that vortex is closed, there is something dark and scary in that, uh, especially in the basement. I know a lot of people say the upstairs, Mary's room, but I always felt very like, ooh, the basement.
0: Yeah, the basement and even the woods themselves. I mean, that whole location is charged and I, I personally think it is so strong. Whatever's there, it cannot be completely Closed. You can close elements of whatever energy is there, but I don't think as a whole it'll ever fully be shut. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
0: a perfect uh, sound to end that topic on. Uh, The next one is something I'm not sure I've brought up on the show or not, but it's the Winchester Mystery House in California. Now, just a very, very brief backstory. Mary Winchester was related to Winchester Rifle, the company, And so many people died at the hands of the Winchester rifle that she felt guilty and she went to a psychic who told her that she, in order to appease the angry spirits who died at the hands of the Winchester rifles, she would have to continuously have construction going on at her house. And if it ever ceased, either she or members of her family would, in essence, pay the price with their lives. So... Construction on the house never stopped until the day she died. She even had a seance room built in and stairs that went to nowhere on top of everything else. What I wanna ask you is, is that energy still active in the Winchester Mystery House?
1: Do you know by chance the location? Is it, is it Winchester, California? Is that
0: yes, California.
1: Okay, is it Northern California or Southern California?
0: Um, don't crucify me, audience, if I get this wrong, but I want to say Northern.
1: Okay, so I see, it's interesting because I see this woman kind of in a in a garb that's, um, it's early 19th century, maybe? I don't know, I'm not like a costume history buff or anything. What year did this take place, roughly?
0: Oh, uh, early... I mean, you're dealing with the 1800s through the early 1900s.
1: Okay, so was that the energy or was that like when they did the construction?
0: Uh, really both, but more the the early 19th century for the construction.
1: Okay, perfect, because that's what I'm seeing is kind of the the garb, the, the dressings of a woman, and she seems to be just kind of, you know, in so in a way... Whoever was in charge of the construction and making sure that it persisted, I think she's still at the home. Oh, I'm kind of like it's it's like that Netflix show I for, I forget the name of it where they kind of get locked in this house. Mm. That's kind of how I feel about that energy there. I see her just kind of um repeating patterns and going around the house and making sure that the construction is is continuous. So, I don't think that the energy it depends on who's the house who's in the house that affects the energy, but it's still there.
0: Yeah. Well, that would make a lot of sense and Residual haunts are something that are reported often in a location like that that has such a rich history and in fact there is an active report of a residual haunt occurring at that location so that would make sense everything you just said. So it is probably Sarah Winchester checking the house making sure everything is now and I would assume she is completely unaware she has passed on to the other side. So very interesting. Maybe that was her curse.
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, in the Bible, it talks about um, this process of, you know, I think a lot of people think of um, purgatory as a, as a bad thing, like you weren't good enough to get to heaven, but actually it's, it's a good process. It, it talks about how you're purified by the light so that we can be worthy of going to heaven. So, I do get the sense that it's a residual haunt. You know, I don't really feel like her soul is necessary necessarily in the house, but I just want, you know, your audience to know that when people are in purgatory, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So, if your loved ones are in purgatory and they can commune with you cuz a lot of times when people are communing with the dead, they're in purgatory, but a lot of people don't know that.
0: There we are. Very well said. Thank you for that button on that one. Uh, The next one is very timely. Um, The Perseverance satellite just touched down on Mars the other day via NASA. Um, Although for conspiracy theorists, there's an argument. Is there really um, a satellite rover on Mars or is it a trick? But that's not really the essence of my question. We're going to assume that that's legitimate and the rover did in fact land on Mars But what I want to ask you is, are there active life forms on Mars and are they purposely avoiding being caught by the satellite if there in fact is some life form on Mars?
1: I can tell you what I see. I see a rover and I see these weird, almost like rock people approaching it. I don't know how to explain that, but these people, they they don't look they don't look like us. So, um and also, you know, if if we were to travel to Mars, what would it take 3 years? I mean, there's a lot of time and space between us and Mars. And even though we get these satellite, you know, visions, it, I mean, how interesting would it be if these were actually rock people or something? I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I'm seeing, which is really odd
0: uh not so odd there's actually a famous photograph of a being on mars very much resembling sort of a rock-like creature running toward a camera which was captured and i know for a fact you didn't know about that so that's very timely what you said maybe it's like uh what is that the thing on fantastic four yeah yeah. (laughs) that could be the inspiration right so don't piss off a a rock next time you're taking a walk don't kick it it could be a relative of something Mm -hmm. on mars
1: That's true. Be careful.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, This one's kind of interesting. Um, The fairies of Ireland. Now, we know Irish folklore is big on leprechauns and fairies and elemental spirits. Are there, in fact, fairies in Ireland?
1: Yes.
0: Well, that's... (laughs) And how might one come across one or know that they're encountering that? Like, what would that look like?
1: You know, it's interesting because I know that they've left, um, like, you know, just, just things for the fairies and whatnot. Now I can't necessarily explain it, but I do sense it and I do feel it. And I would even say, you know, the people there, the natives, they've had their own experiences. So I don't think it's necessarily, um, something that they encounter um sometimes it's not on purpose and sometimes they are reaching out to to them i think it's very unlikely that you see them though they're a little bit um uh elusive
0: yeah yeah that would that would make sense i find it very interesting that different cultures in the world experience different things now whether that is because of the location that they happen to reside in or whether that's the power of the mind and their collective consciousness form this certain image. I don't know, but I do find it fascinating how these local legends or lore can, in fact, come to fruition. Right. Um, Speaking of that, um, I'm interested in the potential existence of a Wendigo, which is a Native American spirit, sort of in lore, it almost resembles a goat man, like a skull Uh with horns. Uh And people have claimed to seen this and, and that it's been terrifying when they've, the people that have claimed to have encountered a Wendigo, um, what are your impressions when you try to tap into an energy of said creature? Like, are you picking up anything when I say that?
1: Yeah, it scares me half to death.
0: Would you um, validate the potential existence of this type of creature?
1: Well, what I heard was interdimensional, but but that's also very close to demonic.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the description of them is something very close to demonic, but it is interesting that you say interdimensional because I remember a story about how this thing would follow this guy around, actually still to this day, and the way it traveled, it was just like one instance he would see it on, like across the street, and within the blink of an eye, it was at his back door. So, really creepy.
1: Yeah. No, I I don't even like talking about it. Like, my physical response is very uncomfortable.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna put that as a thumbs up on the existence of the Wendigo, but definitely not a... Yeah. And
1: I will say that I do, I, I'm very fascinated by Native American culture, just their connection to spirit. And it's interesting, one of the things that's really interesting to me is um, the flood and Native Americans and, the he- and Hebrews were, you know, they both have this similar narrative. Well, actually, it's more than them. It's also the Egyptians. There's so many narratives just across the, the globe of a flood taking place. And it just, it, it I'm so like, how how do all of these cultures have this similar narrative? I think that that's something we need to continue to explore.
0: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and especially with the Native American culture, which I absolutely love. It's something to be respected and revered and not uh, mocked or, um, you know, well,
1: to... Well, all of the hauntings are on Native American land, so really they're not... I mean, it's really interesting, you know, how many places are on Native American lands that are, that are cursed and haunted.
0: I would not disagree with that. So, we love and respect our Native Americans. <laughs> um, the next topic, I think you'll enjoy this one. The ancient pyramid at Giza, which is probably the most famous pyramid... What are your impressions when you kind of tap into that location? Like what was going on there? What is going on there? Like w- what comes to your, you know, your mind?
1: Immediately, I get that there's something in the paw. Is it, is it, is it like on the right side? It's almost like a door that I'm seeing.
0: Okay. I, I'm not an expert on it, but I think that is probably true.
1: I don't know if it's true or, or if it's hidden. But there's something on the right side. Um, I think that there was a sense of a, um, a rebirth. Uh, and a lot of these statues, kind of like the pyramids, were for, um, were for, you know, to, to mummify and to, to keep these people so that one day they could possibly come back into this world, um, and so, with these statues, there's a lot of hidden things inside, and I think that's really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. It's very mystical, potentially UFO, potentially interdimensional. Um, that's why, like Anubis, always kind of like it's something very intimidating about that statue. The you know,
1: right? No, I know what you mean.
0: Very powerful. Well-
1: and also the astrological, you know, um, it's just so amazing, you know, when, it, you know, a lot of people put down astrology or, or are a little freaked out by it, and I get it. But at the same time, at least just my perspective, you know, when God made, you know, in Genesis, when it talks about God making um, time and seasons, he, he, they were referring to him putting the stars in the sky. And so it's so amazing to me that the Egyptians like the pyramids and the statues they're so perfectly in alignment with astrology or at the time it would have been astronomy I mean that's wicked that's so cool
0: yeah same thing with Stonehenge how there's definitely an energy and a and a pattern that has to configure in somehow to to what I'm not sure but it's definitely a key or a map to something
1: yeah absolutely
0: um Switching gears a little bit, um, what is your impression of voodoo and specifically voodoo dolls? Is there a power in voodoo and using a voodoo doll?
1: There is absolutely. Absolutely, I mean, I know a lot about this because I, you know, I don't anymore as much, but I used to practice, you know, more hoodoo, but that kind of, you know, there's some people that do hoodoo, voodoo, there are different types of occult magic, um, but if, if you think that there's, sure, if you go to a store... And if you get a little doll a little voodoo doll it's probably not going to do anything but but that's kind of like a commercialized version of real voodoo magic and real voodoo hoodoo even pagan you know wicca type of magic oh it'll do something that's for sure
0: yeah there's a lot for power of ill intention and a a collective consciousness around that so for instance if a local witch doctor is revered and you do him wrong, let's say you steal, not only are the fears of the townspeople going to add to his strength, but his energy to get vengeance on that person can, I believe, send a, a charge or uh, a negative um, energy to the you know, the intended victim.
1: Right, Who who is the famous um, New Orleans woman that did? Oh, LeBeau. Madame Lebeau. Madame Yeah, I I read a few books on her and it was interesting. I mean, she did more, you know, it's kind of like hard. Did she do voodoo or did she do hoodoo? I think maybe a little bit more hoodoo. These are just different types of um, basically African magic that was brought over and um, kind of incorporates uh, Christianity or the Bible into it. At least that's hoodoo. It's it's a very interesting um, art form Uh, and spiritual form but you know people were terrified of her
0: oh yeah i mean there's a episode of i believe it was ghost hunters where they captured her image in smoke and i believe that was legitimate based on their reaction and it was pretty terrifying i mean i would not have messed with her i would have respected her completely um Switching gears yet again, we're going to go back to spells at the end, but um, just have a couple more subjects for you. This is kind of in the line of um, serial killers, although with one of them there's a bit of a paranormal connection. I'm interested in your tapping into the mindset of H.H. Holmes, who was probably the most famous serial killer in the early 19th century. He basically built a hotel of horrors and... He would lure women there, he was not a faithful husband, and basically, he was, um, what was he? Was he an architect? I believe, it was some, I honestly I forget what he did, I know he owned a few businesses, he was on the surface successful, Um, I'll have to look that up, but he basically built a hotel um, where he had all these devices put in, like he could shut off the air, he could turn up the heat. The locks wouldn't, uh, would only lock from the outside. So he murdered all these women, and and men too. Uh, he just had no consciousness when it came to killing. Although he did have a wife, who you know didn't live with him. He kind of lived at a lo- another location, but in one sense he was this dutiful husband to her. But then he had no problem killing all these people. So I'm just interested in your tapping into his mindset like what was going on
1: well that's not super surprising because i just think of ted bundy you know he had a girlfriend who had a daughter and she didn't feel at all scared or threatened by him so for some reason i think of like surgery like i see surgical instruments which is disgusting and maybe he tortured them or something um but i would say he's a true psychopath
0: okay there we go Um, (laughs) that's it. I mean, that pretty much explains it. Um, yeah, I really don't have anything to add to that. That was just somebody, I got an email about HH Holmes. So I thought we would bring him up, but, um, yeah, I would
1: love for you to look and see if he had any aspirations of being like a surgeon or something, because I just see these instruments and I'm just curious if that was somehow in his psyche.
0: It's very possible, or perhaps he just used them as a torture devices. I'm not sure. I will have to delve and dip into some further research on H.H. H. Holmes. I believe Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play him in a movie that, I don't know if that's still going to happen, but it'll be very interesting. Um, and the next one is Elizabeth Bathory, who basically was known as sort of Countess Dracula. She lived in the 16th century and had over 600 victims. And she would do cruel things like have her servant girls stand in the snow and pour ice water over them and watch them freeze. And she called them her little statues. Or she would bathe in their blood and she had, she would bite them. She had all these torture devices set up. And she also was known to burst into fits of another language and get very vicious. So I'm interested in, if you think she was dealing with some Demonic attachment, or was this just a psychotic woman with some agenda that we're not quite sure about?
1: Well, you and I have had these conversations before, and you know, when we um, come into contact with a lot of trauma, we or no, I should say it this way when we come into a situation where there's a haunted home. The first question I ask is, "What's the trauma, right? What's going on here that's messing with the family?" It's almost a doorway and into you know these spirits being let in, and so it's like, "What came first, the chicken or the egg? The spirit or the the psychological repercussions of that spirit?" And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a moment. Um, but I get that this bitch was evil. She was definitely evil to be so just just cruel and vicious, um, and vain, just vain. She was so vain. She was so wicked. And, um, I get that even the people that like worked for her, they all covered it up that they were all terrified of her.
0: Yeah. I read a book on her years ago and it was literally the subject of, it's something you see in the movies. Like that book could just, translate perfectly to a film and p- people still wouldn't believe that that actually occurred so I agree with your assessment I think we were dealing with a pure evil woman
1: I think she she shot for like you know lower income because she had money yeah. and so but then where where things went wrong for her is when she started she, she was so ballsy she was so arrogant that she went for um you know... Uh,
0: aristocratic.
1: Yes, more aristocratic, um, you know, families, their children, and that's when it was like, oh, no, you can't... Which is sad that it had to get to that point, but you know what yeah. I mean.
0: Well, uh, eventually she was boarded up in her own uh, residence and never to be seen or heard. Well, actually, she was heard. Apparently there were, like, screams from inside the walls and other languages uh, at times. So I believe whatever demon was in her uh, was uh, venting its frustration.
1: She should have just been killed. I mean, I know that sounds awful, but, like, it was so easy for people to be killed during that time and they wouldn't kill her because she was a countess. Like, right. bullshit.
0: And maybe they were slightly afraid of her. I don't know. I don't know what was going on there, but thank you for that. That was very interesting. Um, my most listened to episode was actually the the Jane Mansfield episode about the curse of Jane Mansfield. So I would like to ask you very simply, I have my own personal beliefs, but I just want your psychic impressions, was the car accident that she was involved with that, that ultimately took her life where the top of her head was not, not decapitated like it's reported, but severely damaged to the point where she died and her three children, of course, were in the back and survived. But was that accident the result of, like it's been reported, a satanic curse?
1: That That is Satan. You know, that's, that's the part of, you know, I, listen, I was the person that was like telling people this is how you do spells. And just to be clear, hoodoo and voodoo, the, listen, when you're doing like positive spells for money and money abundance and good health for people, I mean, it feels great. But there is a dark side to life, you know, like in this world it's like two sides of a, of a piece of paper one side is light one side is dark and you cannot have one without the other and so in the case of jane mansfield she was messing around with the church of satan and she got a curse put on her and you saw it fulfilled and it's terrifying we're you know we're so modern now it's like come on that stuff doesn't really exist but then you experience it and you're like oh my god i have to question everything
0: Yeah, I I agree. I completely agree. And such a beautiful woman and taken way before her time, but it just shows that there's always a price when you delve into negative energies and the wrong people. Um, So to kind of end this episode, which has been fascinating and I love the variants of topics that we got to hit up and I always thank you for your impressions because believe it or not, folks, this takes a lot out of Grace when she has to tap into a location or a person. So her time is very valuable and I appreciate her coming on but I would like you to kind of end this with the subject of spells and spell casting and what are the potential price that people pay when they delve into spell casting and and the like
1: well uh this is something that I just recently admitted to brian i i guess i kind of kept this from him for a few weeks it just i don't know i I didn't want to bring it up but um i did see i do a lot of you know meditations and a lot of um just therapies where you know i'm i'm just trying to like explore the different parts of myself but one part didn't feel like a part of me. It felt like this outsider and, you know, like I know a lot about psychology and it just it stood out, you know, here you're working with these different parts of yourself, like an inner child or a part of you that's mad or sad or whatever, but this part what felt alien to my whole sense of self and I could just feel it. And it it looked like um it, it just looked dark. And it was just telling me these, like, horrible things about myself. Um, and I asked God. I said, God, please remove this. And, you know, I know Brian, he's had his experiences with exorcisms and whatnot. So I I knew what to say. Like, I, you know, I went to Jesus. I said, Jesus, please remove this. And I could slowly, like, feel this thing. It, this thing freaked out, by the way, when I called in God and then Jesus. It freaked out. And the weird experience, it's almost like I don't remember this. It was almost like a dream. Now, I was perfectly fine. I was awake. I was, you know, I was fully capable of experiencing this consciously and yet I still have trouble kind of remembering the experience because it was so odd but I remember something with my spine and it was like coming out of my lower spine and I know that you've said something about that Brian that there's some relationship to to it getting going through your spine
0: yes um in the writ of exorcism commonly the entry point and exit point for spirits both negative and or positive is in fact the lower spine there, there's something with the lower spine that seems to be the portal to potential infestation or an attachment so whether you're dealing with a haunting where there's an attachment or a demonic negative spirit the spine seems to be the key to having an attachment
1: Yeah. And, and I remember that experience of it kind of just going out, like out of my spine and I wasn't even sure if it had, had left me or not, but I, I, well, to, to be very, um, oh, and also that makes sense with Reiki because the bottom of the spine has to do with our safety. And so trauma, I always talk about trauma and how traumatic events can be portals, you know, to these spirits to get in. Um, but the other part of this whole experience is last year, you know, I, I did do a lot of magic. I did do a lot of spells and I had received some new oils and one of them was to like break a couple up. Now I had brought lots of people together, you know, open channels of people coming together. I never really set out any negative intentions for people, maybe just sending their energy back to them, but I've never really gone out of my way and done something specifically negative or or to cause harm to people um and i wasn't trying to honestly i was just kind of trying to play with my oils maybe i just got kind of caught up in it i don't know but um i you know i even had advised everyone in terms of magic and spells to never send out negative energy well here's here's where i faulted and i decided to send out negative energy Now, the next day after I did that spell, which was on, it was for a few different situations. Um, The next day I went to the emergency room and I ended up going to the emergency room three more times and they couldn't really figure out what was going wrong with me. Um, I had, like, an elevated heart rate, and I had problems breathing, and uh, it looked a lot like a panic attack, so they were giving me Ativan. They then sort of found, um, like, an infection, and then they also, like, later, like, a month later, found, um, like, gastritis and, like, some other, like, stomach issues. But I was, like, lying in bed, sweating, panicking, and just, like, I went through a lot. And, um, I know, cause I just got one of those bills yesterday <laughs> from my experience then. And, um, ever since that experience, I really struggled with anxiety that I'd never had before. I never had anxiety. I never had panic attacks except for flying on planes. I would definitely get, you know, a uh, Panic attacks there, so I had a little bit of familiarity with it, but never to this extreme. And it took so much work, um, you know, to get me to a place where I was doing okay. But here, and I I knew that there had to be a spiritual component to this, but I also needed to be responsible and just get myself some help. Um, and I did, and I was functional, and it was fine for quite some time. But after this experience a few weeks ago, I noticed a difference in my anxiety levels. Um, And I don't know, have you noticed a difference?
0: Oh, for sure. You seem a lot more calm and just at peace. So.
1: Oh, and I left out um, this spirit or whatever it was when I asked it, what are you? It said Leviticus. And so when I looked up Leviticus, there's only one demon in that, um, in that book, in the Bible. And do you want to say what it is? Azazel. And it's like a goat demon, right?
0: Yeah, and you had described a goat-like demon. So it uh, definitely has a connection there.
1: Yeah, and it just, it was telling me all of this horrible stuff about me, you know? And I just, I think back to Genesis in the Bible, and the first thing the snake does is God tells Adam and Eve, I love you, and I'll take care of you. And the snake says, he doesn't love you. He's trying to con you. He's trying to get you to not be like him. Like, that's the first separation that we experience from God, and so this thing was just spewing at me like so much, so many lies about me. And I'm like, I don't believe any of those things. Like, where are you even coming from with all of this? And so it, it was definitely an odd experience. And I I could, you know, I feel like even though I've been functional, there's always this like little tiny sense of just anxiety, just kind of under the surface. It, it's gone now. And it's almost like, <laughs> what happened, you know?
0: Well, it's a good uh, public service announcement for those who might be dipping into spellcasting or flirting with witchcraft or whatever, what have you. So it's it's a cautionary tale just to be, you know, very uh, aware of the energies that you're potentially tapping into.
1: And a lot of the people that I respect, they do magic. And I mean, I I was at a place where I wanted to know everything about magic. So I was willing to try anything. Now, I never experienced negative stuff when I did positive magic. Um, but I just, the more, it's just weird the last year, how my spirituality has changed. And also if you're thinking this sounds crazy, you know, I'm studying psychology. Like this is not something where, um, I think that, uh, it's all spiritual and not psychological. I actually love psychology so much that I'm going to become a counselor and I'm studying traumacology, but I also believe There's also a spiritual component. You know, I don't know if they can necessarily be separated, but I think that there's a major spiritual component where it's like you're experiencing something in the physical realm, but you're also experiencing it in the spiritual.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I believe there's also always a battle. There's a constant battle uh, on the other side between good and evil. And yes, it does exist. There is physical evil and there's physical good. (laughs) <laughs> there is light and there is dark. So you just have to be very aware. And again, be very, um, you know, do your homework. Be very knowledgeable about the potential deities or rituals that you're going to participate in and be aware of any potential consequences. We're not here preaching to anybody on what they should believe, but just to be extremely cautious about where you put your time and your energy. And I wanna thank you for both your time and your energy and for educating our audience and um, really um, being so honest about your experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely humbling and I definitely don't want to be like a Doreen virtue or anything, you know, where it's like, oh, because there were, it was really great to see so many people using magic and, you know, surviving through the pandemic and getting money and all, all of that was very positive. But again, I've said, I've always said this, don't ever put anything dark out there because it's opening a door, whether that's, you know, wishing someone, cur- even cursing with, with your tongue. Like it's one thing to vent and be like oh this this lady she's such a wah 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 but it's another thing to really curse someone and it can come back to you
0: it sure can and that's exactly why i am throwing out my voodoo doll tonight no i don't have a voodoo doll (laughs) but i like talking about voodoo dolls and all these fabulous fantastic crazy spooky eerie subjects that we covered today and if you want to get a hold of magical grace where can they reach out to you and get a reading for themselves
1: sure you can always find me at once listen.com and my name is grace i have uh red hair in my photo so you can find me there
0: <laughs> there we are magical grace thank you so much for your time as always and of course i'm going to have you back because the audience loves you and always loves your impressions and your thoughts on this strange and the paranormal So thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thank you. I love your podcast.
0: And everyone loves you. For Footsteps in the Attic, this is Magical Grace and Brian Hobson. We'll see you next week.